from the Rio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Market Scale at Interdrone, where we're interviewing some of the most innovative names in drone technology. From cinematography to surveying to search and rescue, Interdrone has it all. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So today we're joined by Julian Hughes, Senior Vice President for Intelligent Energy. Julian, great to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having yeah. me. How was your first day at Interdrone? Great. It's good to be back. This is our third year we've been here. Um, it's great to see progress. Um, you know, the industry's growing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it, from just my one and a half days here, I've seen some incredible innovation in the drone space, um, especially uh, on the energy side of things. Uh, and so it's exciting to see that you are trying to bring solutions that are much needed in the space. Yeah, well, one of the biggest barriers um, that we're seeing that customers and service providers want, and the OEMs actually, is flight time. They all want endurance, they all want to put more payload and more technology on the drones, and yeah, energy is a big issue for them at the moment. Definitely. So, I'd like to know, how did Intelligent Energy enter the drone space? Uh, were you providing this sort of fuel cell technology beforehand in other industries and then made your way in, or was it from scratch? You saw a need, decided to fill the gap. Well, we've been around since 2001, initially developing for the automotive market, um, and we've gone into other areas, stationary power, etc. And we had a consumer electronics division um, around four or so years ago. And in consumer electronics, at CES, we started to see drones. Mm. And we thought, you know what, power or, um, or the battery technology is an obvious target to be replaced by fuel cells. And in that uh, industry, we saw a niche. So we thought, well, let's see if we can develop a lightweight version of our technology. And, and we did. And we tried it and yeah, we, we managed to extend flight time by at least three to four times. Wow, and so getting that technology and compacting it, making it drone accessible, um, especially because after flipping through your product and getting a better sense of it, it seems like something you really pride yourself in is the flexibility of it, that it can be you know placed on drones in several different configurations. And of course you want it to be able to be uh, you know, not, not too heavy and easy to access. So what was that process like, getting it down to that small size? Yeah, so we, again, it was the, the consumer electronics need of making a small charger for phones that we were looking at that, right. that did it. Um, and then we have taken our standard technology and we've just changed the uh, materials to lightweight materials. The lightweight materials have allowed us to get the energy density as such that can be flown on drones. So it's light enough to go onto drones. Right. Now with your technology though, you're not trying to completely replace the battery. You know, though getting rid of the battery in favor of fuel cell technology is I think more efficient in the long run, you are trying to employ some hybrid energy there too. So walk me through that technology and then what the choice was to instead of eliminate the battery entirely to try and combine the two um, to you know maximize them basically. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, Fuel cells are very good for average continuous power. It doesn't work so well for peaks. Um, so the reason we hybridized it was rather than have a, a fuel cell that has a power rating to the peak power and then waste the energy um, when you don't need so much power, we've hybridized with a battery for the peak power. So the fuel cell will give enough power to fly the drone at, uh, to hover an average flight. 
for takeoff and wind resistance, we have a small LiPo battery to give that additional power that's required as and when. And that really is only needed for a few seconds. Right. And then the fuel cell will recharge the battery in flight anyway, so you still don't have to recharge the battery. Great. So do you see that as being the future of energy uh, usage within drones? Not a complete replacement of the battery, but sort of a hybrid for you know, using the battery when necessary? Uh, I do, because there are peaks and lows on, on the power required to fly a drone, definitely. Yeah. And I think the most, or we know, the most efficient way is to hybridize it with a small battery. Definitely. So now I want to dive into a bit of the applications that can be possible with something like a hybrid battery in place. Um, compared to just a regular lithium-ion battery on a drone, how can this kind of technology, both a combination of hydrogen fuel cell and peaking with that battery, help propel drone applications to the next level? Well, <clears throat> I think over the last three or so years, I think almost every day there's a new application found where drones can be used. <laughs> right. Um, you know, whether I mean, it's... You're, you're, you're not even exaggerating. It really feels like every day. It's right. like, wow, you can use it in here, you can use it in here. I mean, we just actually had someone on our podcast talk about the potential uses for drones in the retail space and just using uh, drones for geomapping to predict demographics and choose your best location for a retail business. I mean, yeah, it's, it is incredible how much, how much yeah. change and innovation there is. So, so I think... With the advent of longer flight times, I think there are going to be even more applications right. that we don't even know about yet, um, that people haven't necessarily thought of. Um, and one, just as, a, as an example, drones are now, or we've had requests to have drones used uh, for indoor use. To your point, in the retail space, if you look at DCs and warehouses for inventory inspection, hmm. um, with a battery with you know the, the limited flight time you get, it's kind of inefficient, but with a long flight time, you can get drones going up and down aisles inspecting inventory and doing yard management that you can't necessarily do with batteries today, just as an example. Definitely. And then how do you communicate the benefits of technology like this to the end user? Um, you know, how, how is it immediately applicable and how do you convince them, hey, you know, this is the future for powering your drone instead of just a fancy toy or I mean, you know, we're getting away from that in drones in general. Drones are no longer fancy toys. They are becoming pretty ubiquitous, but, you know, on, on the powering side of things as well. Yeah, so typically we do that by comparing it to a battery. Firstly, um, batteries store energy, and once that energy is depleted, you then have to put that energy back in by way of charging for a period of time. Right. Fuel cells are different in that they produce energy at source. They don't store any energy. So as long as you've got hydrogen as your fuel, you can continuously um, generate power. So that's one benefit, that you don't have to recharge the battery. It takes around three or, or so, or three or less minutes to fill the cylinder. So if you compare that three or four hours of charging a battery, that's one plus. Um, obviously, uh, duration, the longer flight time, the bigger the fuel tank, the longer flight time you're gonna get. And, and yes, and, and we can dive into costs for, for a second, but. The capital cost of a fuel cell, it is more than a battery. However, total cost of ownership is actually lower cost. You know, I was talking to someone yesterday. They said for a half-day mission, which is around three or so hours, they're spending $10,000 on batteries. Wow. And, and <laughs> It's a lot. It yeah. is. And, and our um, the product we have now, the 650-watt um, equivalent to that, is around $8,900, but that's your one cost. Right. Thereafter, you're just paying for hydrogen. Right. And at the moment, the market prices of hydrogen are around $15 a kilogram. 
and you only need around 30 grams to fly for an hour and a half so you can do the math wow yeah so it might be more up front, but in the long run, you are really saving on on a lot of costs, yeah. Yeah, and not carrying uh, costly, heavy batteries around. Of course, of course. So, you know, this technology, I think, is immediately useful in the commercial space. Uh, longer flight times are going to empower better surveys and site mappings within AEC. They're going to empower search and rescue missions, uh, you know, everything in between. What about on the consumer end? Do you see this technology making its way into the consumer market? It doesn't necessarily have to be intelligent energy is the first one to break into it, but do you just see hydrogen fuel cells eventually becoming kind of just the standard for you buy a drone, that's what's going to be in it? Again, that's a good question, and we've looked at that. Um, firstly, in the consumer space, there isn't too much of a need to fly your drone for an hour or an hour and a half. <laughs> True. You're going to get tired and you know, why would you need that, that flight time, for one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, in the consumer space, the drones as a product need to look more aesthetically pleasing um, with regards to the design. That's interesting, yeah. In the commercial space, aesthetics don't matter, it's functional. Right. Um, so with a, with a hydrogen gas cylinder on there, it's difficult to, one, make it look aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, and also, number three, the smallest drone, really, that that um, we can put fuel cells onto is around the Matrice 100 size drone, um, you know, about a foot and a half in diameter. Yeah. Um, going smaller than that, the fuel tank becomes too heavy for the power that's generated by a f smaller fuel cell. So right now, not so applicable. However, yeah. there, there are other methods of generating hydrogen. You can use chemical hydrides and basically that's um, a, a chemistry that will, will produce hydrogen at source it's a lot lighter than a, um, a cylinder. It's more expensive, and it's something for the future. So, and, and also that will allow you to have a more aesthetically pleasing design. Right. So maybe that would be the avenue in the future, but that's not something that we're looking at yet. I see. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, because at that point you're starting to implement a technology that the front-end cost of implementing it might not be worth the actual usage of it. It, it, it would be a little counterintuitive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now I want to get into just general energy innovation within uh, the drone space. Now that technology like this is starting to make its way in, people are seeing the value in it, are you starting to see other creative uh, fueling methods for drones? And are, are you seeing um, investors want to put their money into these companies? I mean, is that sort of where um, the whole market is headed? There is. A lot of interest in providing energy for drones, yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got battery technology, which is the, the generic technology right now. Um, the other one people look at now is with, for the whole reason for this discussion is fuel cells. Of course. The only other one I've seen potentially is I've seen solar panels on, on fixed-wing drones. However, solar alone will not give you the power you need. It's more of um, additional power just to extend flight time marginally. Right. Um, so again, a combination of technologies. I ha and, a, and if we're just talking electric, I haven't seen many other power or energy providing technologies that, that can come into this space, um, other than obviously internal combustion engines and the like. But if we're sure. just talking electric, then they're kind of the only ones at the moment. Yeah. And then, you know, on, on that investment side of things, I mean, do you see a lot of angel investors or smaller companies trying to make their way into the energy sector for drones. I mean, is that 
Is that a side of things that you see as easily enterable? I see more movement on the provision of hydrogen uh, for fuel cells in drones. I see. I see movement in that space, obviously, which is positive mm -hmm. for, for the industry. Um, with regards to investment into other tech or power solutions, I think people are speculating and looking. Um, I think it needs to be proven. Right. You know, batteries obviously are proven to a point. Um, other technologies need to be proven. Even fuel cells. I mean, we've done trials. We have. You know, we're selling units. They're flying around. It's proven. Um, but it just needs more market adoption. Definitely. And then the last thing I wanted to hit on is, as drones are starting to become more ubiquitous just across the board, uh, and you see a lot more interest of collaboration with the FAA to get regulations in place so that everyone can have more access to their drones and it just becomes easier and safer to get drones up in the air. Do you see any potential positives or negatives to increased regulation on energy within the drone sector? I haven't seen too much regulation on energy per se. It's yeah. more around line of sight, you know, 400 feet um, sure. altitude, etc. I think if it can remove the line of sight um, side of the regulation, I think the longer flight times make more sense on the fixed wing vehicles. Mm. There's no, you know, in the commercial space, flying a fixed wing vehicle for between four and six hours if you can't go beyond line of sight it isn't as useful as, as if you could. Right. And finally, the last thing I wanted to hit on with you is sort of in the same vein of this collaborative mentality and push within the drone space in general. I think we're starting to see you know, a, a lot more collaboration between the FAA, between uh, drone companies, drone users wanting more access to drone technology and not putting up barriers necessarily, but making it just more accessible for everyone. And I think that's something that your company empowers itself on as well is making sure that the fuel cells are flexible. There isn't a lot of modification needed for drones to employ these fuel cells. So, you know, why did you go that route? Why not, when trying to put this product together, go more for the, okay, let's let's integrate it into the hardware itself, but instead make it more of a, almost like a community thing, that yes, you can buy your drone and then implement our product in there and not have to modify much. So we, we are not a drone company, of course. for one. Right. Any company providing technology into a new space can very quickly become all things to all people and, and lose focus on what, what our core technology is. Right. We designed our technology that could be retrofitted to existing drones because obviously that's a quicker route to market. Sure. Um, but we are also working with uh, a partner that is designing a drone around our technology so then we can give customers um, uh, both offerings. Because many people come to us and want the fuel cell, and they do say, well, can you give us the drone as well? Right. And now we have a partner that we can say, yes, they're um, providing drones with our technology, and, or you can just take our technology and retrofit it yourself. I love that. I love that that collaboration is really starting to shine through. So thank you again for coming on the podcast and giving us some insight into the energy sector within the drone space. But then also, you know, it's great to hear that there is this sense of teamwork within you know getting products out there whether it's in how you market your product or in how you um, collaborate with other companies to to create a more efficient 
piece of technology. So, yeah, thank you again, Julian, for coming on the podcast. Great, and thank you. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And be sure to follow marketscale.com for more updates from Interdrone at Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.